So that desert road from Jericho to Jerusalem had many twists and turns. I've never actually been there, but I've seen images of it, one of which is on the cover of your bulletin this morning. You can see a modern-day version of the road. There are some people hiking it on the far left side of the picture. It reminds me a little bit of the remote four-wheel drive roads just outside of Moab. The road from Jerusalem to Jericho was a dangerous place to be. It was, and still is today, as you can see by the photo, a treeless, craggy, dusty, steep road with plenty of blind spots and hidden curves where robbers could lurk out of sight, ready to pounce on an unsuspecting wanderer. Imagine yourself walking on a lonely 20-mile dirt trail that skirts the slick rock canyons and desert areas. A lonely wanderer would certainly be an easy target. And so when Jesus tells us of a traveler who was stripped of his clothing, beaten and left half dead by outlaws, we can definitely sympathize with the onlookers who didn't stop. After all, perhaps just seeing the man reminded them of their own mortality, and they were rightly so scared for their own safety. Maybe they were unsure of what would happen if they were to step in and say or do something. Perhaps they too might be in danger of losing everything. But remember that the two bystanders were religious leaders and recall that Jesus saved his harshest criticisms for religious leaders of the time, probably even of today, truth be told. And remember that anytime Jesus tells a parable, and we think we have it easily figured out, we are likely wrong. This is a parable about neighbors, you know, the ones that we're supposed to love as our very selves. But who exactly a certain man wants to know are our neighbors. He's a little confused because you see for him is the God of Israel and therefore neighbors are his Jewish neighbors. And so he asks Jesus to clarify, well, who is my neighbor? But for Jesus, as the author N.T. Wright so aptly put it, Israel's God is the God of grace for the whole world. And therefore, a neighbor is anybody in need. So the religious leaders who Jesus says crossed the road in order to avoid the half-dead man couldn't easily tell if he was dead. And that's an important detail as we unpack this parable because as temple officials, it was important for the two not to become impure by touching a corpse. They had numerous rules and regulations about such things as they related to their priestly duties in the temple. And so for them, for the two priests, it was better to remain indifferent, preserving their purity, preserving their law at the cost of obedience to God's law of love. But the Samaritan man, a man who would have been conditioned to hate Jews and vice versa, shows pity on the victim as he lay there on the barren road in the middle of a lonely road in the desert. He picks him up, 
He cleans his wounds. He places the man on his own donkey and carries him all the way back to town to an inn. And he not only pays for the man's room, but he comes back the next day to check on him. And he tells the innkeeper that he will pay for whatever else the man might need. I've got this, he said. Now, regardless of the man's nationality or social status or familiarity, which none of which Jesus tells us about in the parable, the Samaritan man simply did the right thing. Jesus asks a question in today's scripture, and I believe it's a question for all of us. Who turned out to be the neighbor? Today is our Outreach Sunday. We have been planning this Sunday for months, and we've put it aside as a day to celebrate and honor the good work being done by our friends, our neighbors, in organizations and nonprofits throughout the Roaring Fork Valley and beyond. And it's important for us to celebrate because we want to draw attention to the ways in which our neighbors are showing up every single day to help the most vulnerable among us. These people are doing great work, and it is not easy. It's messy, frightening, gut-wrenching, hard work they do. And you all are a part of it. Because each year, our chapel is committed to making sure that a big part of our budget is spent helping others. We do great programs here at the chapel. It's true. We have a terrific staff, if I do say so myself. We have amazing musicians every single week here. We have fantastic kids programs, a wonderful Stephen ministry program, all the things that make up this physical church right here in Snowmass Village. But if we aren't also out there, then we are missing what it really means to be the body of Christ. Jesus said that on the last day, we will be divided like sheep and goats. The sheep will be on his right, the goats will be on his left, and he will say to those on the right, come, inherit the kingdom prepared for you. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. And those on his right will say, when did we do these things? And Jesus tells us that he will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did for the, you know this, least of these, my brothers and sisters, you did for me. We are the body of Christ. This is what we are called to do, to get out there, to get messy, and to care for those who need us to be boots on the ground for people dreaming of a better life and for those who have never dreamed that a better life even exists. For years, we've had this outreach committee. It's made up of lay people, board members, a couple of staff members, and the committee has the responsibility, the honor, really, of deciding where our outreach funds are going to go. In fact, I sometimes wonder what would Jesus do if he were the chair of our outreach committee? And I guess he kind of is, if you look at it that way. He, he would just be like, do it, all of it, do everything. 
And while you're at it, drop a few scraps for the dogs under the table. I think Jesus would just say, go out there and do as much as you can, because he is, after all, a God of second chances. In the past six months, I want to tell you some of the things you all have done. You have given to nine nonprofits here in the Valley, including Response, which is a safe house for survivors of domestic violence and sexual assault, River Bridge, which is a child advocacy program uh, that helps neglected and abused children, Youth Zone, which counsels teens and families through a variety of crises and is a court diversion program for teens, the Aspen Homeless Shelter and Feed My Sheep, which serve the homeless population up and down the Roaring Fork Valley, the Aspen Hope Center, which helps people in the midst of crises, Pathfinders, which cares for and encourages those diagnosed with cancer and dealing with grief, and finally one near and dear to us because it was started by our very own Kristen Nelson, wherever you are out there today, Kristen. Kristen started a few years ago an organization called Stepping Stones, which is a drop-in center for kids located in Carbondale, and they're expanding to uh, what is going to be called Patrick's Place in Elgebel to help even more kids and teens at risk. Later this morning, you're going to have a chance to visit with each one of them. We've asked them to set up outside. Uh, they'll have information and um, resources that are available to you, but also ways that you might want to get involved with their organizations. And I really encourage you to spend a few minutes learning about each one of them because they are making such a difference in the Valley. I also encourage you to give to the chapel's outreach efforts so that we can continue to support all the good, great work that they and others do. Those are just the ones we've given to in the last six months. We've given to many, many more, some of whom I know are probably sitting in the room today as well. You all give so generously through your pledges and your tithing and your donations to the chapel, and it's the committee's job, our job actually as the body of Christ, to be good stewards of that. In fact, let me tell you about a few other things that your outreach dollars support. We, along with other churches and nonprofits and schools, are founding members of something called the Manaus Valley Project, which is a grassroots effort to identify some of the biggest issues and challenges that face the Roaring Fork Valley. And I am so pleased to tell you, by the way, that we have 11 people actively engaged in that work here at the chapel. It's an awesome group. That sometimes is 10% of the people who show up here on a Sunday morning are committed to going to these meetings to find out how can we address and help those issues that, that exist from Aspen all the way to Parachute. We also support the Denver Rescue Mission, which offers meals and warm beds to the homeless in downtown Denver. We support a small community in Chihuahua, Mexico. Some of you have met Saul and Vicky Castillo. They're from Ojo, la, uh, Ojo de la Piedra. And we've helped that community buy a water filtration system. We've helped them put new pews and build an addition onto their, their tiny little chapel that exists in their town. And we've even funded a little rock wall that goes around their community center because they had trouble with cows climbing in the windows. <laughs> So the rock wall prevents the cows from being able to get in and too close. So see, your outreach dollars are at work in so many ways you had no idea. 
We also support ho holiday baskets every year. We do the Operation Christmas Child every year. And your outreach dollars also support the weekly pasta dinners that we do during ski season. Um, and we also receive a grant from the town of Snowmass Village to help support those. So, so many varieties of ways. Every year, this chapel, you all actually also give $25,000 to families with children who have special needs. Last year, we gave to four local families, thanks to a collaboration with the uh, Aspen School District's Family Connections Center. The Connections Center put us in touch with some families who were dealing with some near catastrophic illnesses and diagnoses of their children, and they were having trouble making ends meet. And by the way, that is one of the things that we get so excited about each year because it's an amazing way for us to minister to this community just in love. Last year, you all helped fund $10,000, which was given to numerous individuals who just found themselves in one emergency situation or another. Maybe they needed help with gas or food or rent or medical bills and other necessities. And you also provided scholarships to Camp Smashbox right here on our grounds to the tune of about $5,000. And by the way, the chapel also subsidizes the cost of that camp in order to keep it the lowest in the valley and therefore the most affordable for working families. And by the way, also, I happen to think it's the best camp there is. Thanks to Kara and Adam Gilbert who run it and to the amazing camp counselors that we have, their mission is simply to love the crud out of kids. I love that. That's their mission statement, to love the crud out of kids. So all told, the chapel gives away about 10% of its annual budget, and that is just in cash donations. That doesn't even include the hours that are spent in uh, counseling and pastoral care to the community. It doesn't include sending our youth leaders on field trips with the school district or taking kids to Haiti or to El Paso or to the American Indian Christian Mission in Arizona. It doesn't include uh, the training of Stephen ministers that we have. It doesn't include the workshops and events and support and the ways that we, we encourage and lift up this community on a day-to-day -day basis, each and every one of you. So why am I sharing all of this with you? I think because it would break my heart if all you knew of the chapel were these four walls and the people in it. I love this place and I love these people, but what makes it all work is the fact that we are more out there than we are in here. Each and every one of us has an opportunity to minister and have an impact every single day out there. I am so pleased with all that we're doing to help those in need. I'm so proud of all you do to support the things that we do as a chapel. And I also know that some of you wish we did more. And that's awesome. Keep us on our toes. Let's not let each other become complacent or too focused on ourselves or fearful of our reputations or worse, of our wallets. Because Jesus said in Luke chapter 12, he tells another parable, this one about a man trying to store up all of his treasures. You're probably familiar with this one. The man tries to store up all of his treasures in a barn so that he can just relax and not worry about the future. And God says to him, you fool, 
This very night you might die. What will happen to your possessions then? And Jesus goes on then to say in verse 15, guard yourself against greed. Life does not consist of the abundance of our possessions. So what are the possessions that you hold perhaps a little too closely? What treasures are you storing up? Money, things, houses, your reputation, your ideologies, your fears and worries, your purity, your laws, either religious or man-made? What are those things you're holding on to a little too tightly? Doing the right thing, caring for those in need, comes at some cost to us. Not always financial, but it comes at some cost. However, our greatest calling as Christians and as leaders is to deliver the gospel of the good news to the poor and the orphans and the widows and the strangers in our midst, regardless of the cost. If we aren't sending a message to our community, to our coworkers, to the world, that people of God are people who care, then we are sending a message that is completely inconsistent with the gospel of Jesus. At this time in our history as God's people, I can think of no better topic for us to be discussing than how we care for the most vulnerable among us. The divide, as you know, keeps growing. Right here in Pitkin County, the top 1% of income earners average a little over $5 million. The remaining 99% of people in Pitkin County average an income of 76,000. Our economic inequality ratio here is among the very highest in the nation. And then just down the road in Glenwood Springs, they have the ninth highest income gap in the country. I tell you this not to make the divide larger than it already is, if that's even possible, but because on this Outreach Sunday, as we come together to celebrate the good, important, hard work that many of you are doing to care for God's people, I pray that we see ourselves in that story. I pray that we see ourselves in the story of difference makers because we are part of and must continue to be part of the larger narrative of caring for people. Jesus commanded us as his followers to love God with all our heart, mind, and soul and to love our neighbors as ourselves. But notice that he doesn't point to other people as the example of who our neighbors are. He invites us to turn the finger back on ourselves. After telling the story of the Good Samaritan, he asked a question. He said, so, who turned out to be the good neighbor? The answer, the one who showed mercy. The neighbor is not them, it's me. How then am I carrying out the work of being a good neighbor? How then are you? Let us pray.